Welcome to the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I'm Deborah Herlax Enos, a small town girl turned TV nutritionist and healthy living expert. I design health programs for the average guy or gal, including those average guys named Metallica. On September 1st, 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I asked every oncologist the same question, why did I get cancer? But none of my doctors had good answers for me. I wanted answers and that's why I started this podcast. I wanna help you to lower your cancer risk and provide self-care tips for those in the battle. I'm getting answers and I wanna share them with you. What did I take away from today's episode? The importance of what we put in our mouth and how that can impact our cancer risk. Dr. Jen talks a lot about some of her favorite foods to prevent cancer. Some of those are gonna be mushrooms and flax seeds and blueberries. We had a great discussion about how even really, really busy people can incorporate these foods on a daily basis. One of the things that I've realized is if I'm eating on the run all day long, I am going to need to sit down at night, practically have a Thanksgiving size meal. And I, I think there's also something that we're craving, which is sitting down, taking a couple of, I usually take four or five deep belly breaths before I start my meal. I do it at the end of my meal, but I didn't used to do that. I was I was the eating on the run person. Now I wasn't going through drive-throughs because I'm a certified nutritionist and I'd get kicked out of my association if I did that. But I still would, you know, again walk in the door at night and I'd pour up, make a big bowl of popcorn, eat this big bowl of popcorn as I'm making dinner, glass of wine, maybe two glasses of wine, stuff myself. Eating like a sumo wrestler. Yeah. And we all know what sumo wrestlers look like, right? When we eat like that, we, as the day goes on, like we have very good and sound metabolism in the morning. And then as the day goes on, our metabolism becomes less and less efficient as we approach night. Because at night, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to repair. We're supposed to rest and repair. And we can't do that if we're digesting our meal. And so when... We, when we do that and when we eat like sumo wrestlers, your body is also going to rush the digestive process because it knows that it has work to do. So think about when you have like a big, huge pile of work ahead of you and you have a deadline, are you going to do it with the same carefulness and intention as if you had all day to do it? I love that. You're right. So it's rushing digestion, which rushing is never going to end up with a good good impact. And then you try to go to sleep, right? You don't get what you need about it. And beyond that, everything else in front of it suffers. So you're not going to sleep as soundly because you already distracted your system by having to make it do this last load of laundry before it went to bed, right? And so you're not going to have the same night's sleep if you're throwing another load of laundry in at 10 o'clock. You're not. And then you wake up and I don't, I don't know about you or your patient population, but if I eat really late or even have a glass of wine after seven o'clock at night, I sleep terribly. And then when I wake up in the morning, I am hungry and grumpy all day. Yeah. And so that's the blood sugar spiking up and down. Yes. So it's a terrible health roller coaster to be on. It for sure is. I think it's so funny, though, that you said that you didn't go to drive-thrus uh, because you're a nutritionist and your society would kick you out. 
I had lunch last week. I sat next to a, a woman who is a nutritionist for um, a, a hospital, a children's hospital. And as I'm sitting next to her and she's drinking diet orange soda, and I like nearly fell off my chair. <laughs> I, I just, it blows my mind. But then just like I can, most physicians have no knowledge about nutrition or nourishment. I think that in the area of uh, nutritional training, I think that there is a vast divide in terms of what, what is right, what is taught, what is acceptable, right? And for so long, nutritionists like you were focused on weight loss. And so they thought like, eat, eat less, exercise more, right? Exactly right. That was our mantra, just, and, and avoid, you know, high fat items like pistachios and avocados because eating fat will make you fat. Now, I will say that this was the 90s when, you know, we were giving that kind of advice. But I will say every now and then I'll just think, oh my gosh, I'm eating half an avocado. I would have never done this 15 years ago. So it's nice that fat is now out of jail. So that brings me to some questions about foods for cancer prevention. And I know that you are a huge mushroom, you know, a huge mushroom cheerleader. So can you tell us about mushrooms and maybe any other foods that you think are great for cancer prevention? Yeah, absolutely. First, I want to say that mushrooms are a kingdom, right? The fungi are a kingdom. And there are over um, 1.5 million species of mushrooms. There are a handful of them that are um, frequently used. So the two that I use the most in terms of cancer are reishi and turkey tail. Now, now the medicinal mushrooms are divided up into culinary and non-culinary. The culinary ones are delicious and should be consumed as food. So that is uh, shiitake, maitake, and lion's mane. And they all have their individual like specialties. Shiitake is particularly good with cardiovascular health and blood vessel health. Um, lion's mane is particularly good in terms of central nervous system. So it helps with depression, anxiety, cognition, sleep. But it also helps to prevent things like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And so including lion's mane in your diet frequently uh, is a really good idea for everyone. Um, there is no downside to eating mushrooms and the medicinal mushrooms all share similar qualities in that they all are antibacterial, antiviral. We've had quite a viral epidemic, right? They help with that, but they also help with healing our interface surfaces. So, help to guard the surfaces that are in communication with the outside world. So they help with our lungs. They help with our gut, our GI tract. They help with our sinuses. Um, and then they, they also help with blood sugar, with blood pressure. And so they're, they're really, um, from a genetic standpoint, I think we are closer to mushrooms than anything else. The mushroom kingdom is really, really, really fascinating. And when we think about it, where mushrooms come from, so 
Mushrooms take decaying wood or decaying matter and they turn them into that fruiting body, that thing that we consume, right? So they take what is old and dying and convert it into life. And then, and then beyond that, the network of mycelium, which are the roots that live under the ground, that's how the forest communicates. They are the intelligence of the forest. And when we consume them, it helps our intelligence. It helps our communication. It helps our different organs to speak to one another because we are one system that requires constant and effective communication. And so it helps to balance our hormones. That's how our body talks to itself. It helps to balance our neurotransmitters. That's how our body talks to itself. Oh my gosh, amazing information. And I didn't really, you know, well, I'll, I'll, I'll compare this to nuts. You know, there are some nuts um, like almonds are, you know, great with cholesterol in the body. And, you know, it seems like each nut has a different impact in the body. And it sounds like what you're saying, mushrooms are the same way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and quite frankly, like I try to consume a little bit of all of them because I want all of the benefits. So I definitely eat the culinary ones. In fact, I made crab cakes out of um, lion's mane mushroom, hearts of palm, and artichokes over the weekend. And they were delicious. Oh my goodness. That's a great idea. And probably for people who maybe think that they don't like mushrooms. I'd say that there is a mushroom for everyone, for sure. But if you absolutely can't eat mushrooms, most of these are available in a powder form. And I'll give a plug to my favorite company because I think the people at Real Mushrooms do a beautiful job and um, they are affordable and the, a very, very, very quality product. I'll link that in the show notes so that people can check that out. Can mushrooms be consumed raw? They shouldn't be. Most, most mushrooms should be cooked before you eat them. Good tip. Any other foods that we should be including? I feel like we should probably just mention psilocybin, even though it's only legal in a couple of states currently. But I, I do believe that that will change. And the work that is being done with the role of psilocybin, especially in the metastatic population, is really amazing because going back to that trauma, that 80% of people with metastatic breast cancer have some kind of unresolved trauma, that the mushrooms have actually been proven to help these people heal, to change their perspective, to rewire their circuitry, so it gives different meaning to whatever that event was in their life. And, and it, I, I, I think we all need to pay attention to the data that's coming out on psilocybin because it's really amazing. It's also being used for people coming home from war with PTSD. I have read some of that, some of those studies with PTSD. And it's really... Um, it's amazing. And we, we need to look back to nature because nature does provide. Every, everything that we need, God provided for us. There are foods that I tell people with breast cancer in particular to make sure that they're consuming every single day. Not just because of single nutrients in them, 
But because that whole food works synergistically with our microbiome in our body in order to have optimum function. So, because that's really what we're looking for. We're not looking, you know, health is not the absence of disease. Health is optimal function. So that's really what we're looking for. So when we give our body what it needs and take away what it doesn't, our body knows what to do. We know how to heal. We are brilliant machines. So I ask people to try to include two tablespoons of ground flax and just get flax seeds, keep them in your freezer, get a little spice grinder, grind them up as you use them, and you can sprinkle them on salads. You can put them in your soup. You can put them in your smoothie if you if you make smoothies. Um, I, I literally put them on everything. I found that they never add a bad flavor. And most of the time that nutty flavor enhances. And so I don't have any problems getting in that two tablespoons a day. Um, and then eating bitter greens to help with your liver function, to help with digestion. Um, so including bitter greens in your diet every day. The, the red group that is rich in ellagic acid is pomegranate, raspberries, marion berries, blueberries, blackberries. So making sure that you're getting that in every, every day. Um, Quercetin-rich group foods, which is green apples and onions. Um, garlic, allicin is a very potent uh, antibacterial, antiviral. And so making sure that, and then for, um, for breast cancer in particular or hormonal cancers, the cruciferous vegetables and making sure that you're having several servings a day of those cruciferous vegetables. So those are all those like stinkier vegetables. So the broccoli and the Brussels sprouts and cauliflower. Yeah. Uh, cabbage, cabbage especially. Um, and because we can get both the red and green cabbage, so we allow for more of those anthocyanins as we allow the, um, the darker blue, black, red colored foods into our diet. And, and variety is key. So over the, you don't have to eat it all in a day, but over the course of a week, you should aim to concern consume between 30 and 40 different plants. Okay, so now that I have to say is something I strive for, but I never hit because I will go to my farmer's market, I'll go to my local supermarket and I buy the same darn things <laughs> every week, every week. That's where farm share comes in really handy because it forces you to use things that you wouldn't normally use. And like you tell the toddler, when you get your farm box every week, you get what you get and you don't get upset. <laughs> right? I love that. And it forces you to just try something new because I hate food waste. I grew up on a farm. We never threw anything away. And then you get online, you find a recipe and you figure it out. Yeah. The other thing is make sure you include lots of herbs because that is a great way to get an extra like eight or 10 plant species without having to eat like a lot. You know, people say to me all the time, I can't eat that many vegetables. Well, if 10 of them are the herbs that you're chopping up and seasoning with, then now you're down to 20. You can get 20. You're right. You're right. And the cool thing is, is that no matter where you live, we can all grow herbs in a little pot, 
on our on our windowsill. When I make a salad, I usually put at least three herbs. So I, my main ones will be dill and parsley and basil can sometimes be a little bit too strong, but I'll just throw a ton of parsley and dill in. And I get compliments on my salads all the time. And the dressing is so simple, but the herbs make it taste like it's, you know, a five-star restaurant. Yeah, my go-tos are tarragon and I happen to love cilantro. Now I know not everyone does, but I love cilantro. So I I put cilantro in nearly everything. And like I make I make this hummus that has so many herbs in it that it's it's literally green and it is just it's so delicious. You might have to share a couple of your recipes. And if you're willing, I'll put them in the show notes. I have a cookbook that's coming out. So it's called The The Recipes of Real Health MD. And we are in the process of publishing it now. But it is, we, we have we have a, a downloadable version, but I, I want to get people a printed version because I, I think most people appreciate a, a physical cookbook. But yeah, we have we have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful cookbook. Oh, I can't wait. I no. can't wait. Yeah, me too. So me I too. have a couple of final questions. And one is a quote. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Weston A. Price Foundation, but I, I interviewed um, Hilda Labrada Gore um, a couple of months ago from Weston A. Price. And she was saying about cancer or any type of disease that you can't get well in the same environment that made you sick. Do you have any comments? What I say is you have to change something. If you expect a different outcome, then you have to live your life differently after your diagnosis than you lived it before. And this is not, you know, the number of people that have come to me and said, I've done everything right. And they're not wrong. They're just not doing the right things for them. We are all bio-individual. And so what's right for me? There are no good foods or bad. Well, there are bad foods. But but there are a lot of good foods who are bad for people. So I will give you a perfect example. There are foods that I simply cannot eat. And I love them. They don't. I I don't get like stomach aches from them or anything like that, but I wake up the next day and my hands are swollen and my eyes are swollen shut and I cannot eat them. I cannot eat raw tomatoes. Now you can argue that tomatoes are tremendously healthy. Stephen Gundry would tell you to take the skins off and take the seeds out, but that, that lycopene is really important. But if I have tomatoes... I wake up the next morning and my hands are swollen and my eyes are swollen. Now, does it mean tomatoes are bad? No, of course tomatoes aren't bad. And does it mean that I was doing everything right? Yeah, I thought I was doing everything right. Right? I thought I was doing everything right too and I got sick. So when we receive a diagnosis, as hard as it is, it's not a blessing. It's never a blessing. But it is an opportunity, an opportunity to take stock and do something differently than you were doing before, because what you were doing before is not working. And I would, I, I couldn't agree more. And I will say that um, cancer was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Now I can say that a year and a half 
after diagnosis. Right. That's not something that you're going to say while you're in treatment, right? It's horrendous and all the surgeries and all the things. But now looking back, I um, I love myself so much more than I did before cancer. And I have better boundaries with people. I have better boundaries with everything. And my attitude is just so different now than before cancer. And I've always been a really happy person. I'm blessed with that. But it's, I'm just, I'm different now. I'm happy and more confident. And if, if you can have the strength and the fortitude to look in and look for the opportunity and look for the message, look for what, you, what your cancer is trying to tell you. If you can do that and apply some meaningful, durable changes then your outcome is what the outcome will be. That you will find yourself on the other side in a better place as a better person, enjoying life even more. Oh my gosh. Dr. Jen, I can't thank you enough for coming on my podcast. Why did I get cancer? I wish I would have known you. When I got diagnosed, um, I think things might have been different um, in my, for my treatment, but I know you now, and now thousands of people will hear about your work. I always say that God gives you what you need when you need it. That's right. You're absolutely right. So thank you so much for coming on my podcast. <laughs> my pleasure. So nice to be here. One of my favorite supplement companies is Seeking Health. This company was created by Dr. Ben Lynch, author of Dirty Jeans. I'm a huge fan. And one of the products that I love so much that he's created is this liquid vitamin D. My body has a hard time breaking down supplements. So I love the flexibility of having liquid vitamins. And I started this product a few weeks ago. I went to get my vitamin D tested and it had gone up significantly. So I was thrilled with the results. And use the code ENOSAPRIL22 for 10% off your order. Thank you for joining me today on the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I've got my shopping guide for all of my cancer self-care items in the show notes, along with information about today's guest and our show's sponsors. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. Keep in mind, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a gal that got diagnosed with cancer and wanted answers. If you need medical advice, please be sure to consult with a medical professional. And thank you for listening.